fish oil supplements, also called omega-3 fatty acids, in pregnancy. Who should have them? Does it matter where the supplements come from? And what benefits can you expect? A leader in this field is Professor Maria Macridis at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute. There's been a long interest in omega-3 fatty acids in pregnancy as far back as the 80s where it was first shown that the Faroe Islanders had longer periods of gestation and babies with high birth weights to the genetically similar Danes. If you lived in the Faroe Islands, eating seagulls and whatever else, <laughs> yes. you didn't have so many preterm births. That's correct. Not so many preterm births and you had a higher birth weight babies with longer gestations and fewer preeclampsias. Preeclampsia being uh, swollen ankles, protein in your urine, high blood pressure, it's quite a dangerous pregnancy situation. Yes. And so those initial observations led to a whole lot of randomised trials to see whether giving high-dose fish oil supplements to pregnant women could prevent prematurity. A lot of the early trials, the sorts of supplements that were available were relatively crude preparations that led to fishy burps and were quite unpleasant for women to take. Those trials showed promising results, but that didn't really go anywhere. Was there any biological reason why omega-3 fatty acids should make a difference to pregnancy? The sorts of prostaglandins that are used to... Chemical messengers. Chemical messengers to initiate labour are ones derived from the omega-6 fatty acids. So the hypothesis has always been that... The omega-3s oppose it. Oppose it and leave the myometrium in a more quiescent state. And are these all omega-3 fatty acids? Because they come in various forms. These are the longer chain marine ones. So icosapentaenoic acid and docosahexaenoic acid. And does it matter where they come from? Krill or any other fish? No. So whether they're actually from algal sources for the vegetarians or whether they're from the body oil of the fish, it doesn't really matter. You get the same effect. So it wasn't conclusively shown then in those initial uh, trials? Not in those initial trials. They were all very promising. But when we updated the Cochrane Review in 2018, much to... Cochrane Review meaning you brought together all the available evidence from all the trials. That's right. We actually found 70 trials that we were able to combine. And that Cochrane Review showed relatively conclusively from high quality studies that we could reduce the risk of early preterm birth by about 42% and the risk of preterm birth by about 12%, which was incredibly exciting. There were many trials going on at that time as well, including our own here in Australia, which included 5,500 women. The importance of these latter trials is that they are actually inclusive of the whole population regardless of risk. So all comers, you're pregnant, you get omega-3 fatty acid yeah. supplement. Exactly. And whether you're already taking prenatal supplements that may have some omega-3 in them. But it was a bit disappointing when you looked at the whole population. Indeed it was. So it's like giving folate to prevent spina bifida, you just give it to everybody. Exactly. Now you give omega-3 to everybody, it didn't work. No, not in the whole population. So what was going on? Our subgroup analysis showed that the benefit was only restricted to women who were entering pregnancy or in pregnancy had a low status. So in other words, when you analysed the data and actually separated the women into groups, you actually did see a benefit, but it was only in women who didn't have much omega-3 on board. That's exactly right. 
and that has since been also demonstrated in another US-based study, also supported by a Chinese study. That makes it complicated as an intervention because first, if you're going to do this, you've got to find women who are low in omega-3s. That's exactly right. So we were hugely encouraged by the National Pregnancy Care Guidelines that at the end of 2020 made the first evidence-based recommendation to supplement women who are low in omega-3. The question is, how do you find the women who are low in omega-3? And it's not enough to just ask them whether they eat fish or not. The best way to do that is with a blood test. And we have now started a evaluation of an implementation program to how to put it into action in South Australia. How to put it into action and to see whether we can actually create a program that's embedded in the health system, both in general practice and in the interface with the hospital system, because that's how antenatal care is delivered, where women can be appropriately screened or tested for their omega-3 status with their other pregnancy screening tests. So you're piggybacking it when a woman's getting blood removed in pregnancy, you're just adding on a test to that blood. Yes, exactly. It's part of the standard serum screening that happens at the end of the first trimester. Vitamin D testing is notoriously unreliable. Is omega-3 testing reliable? Yes, we've actually worked with the pathology services to make sure that we can actually meet all the appropriate accreditation. So how far down the track are you in terms of implementing this in South Australia? Well, we started about 12 months ago. At the moment, we're covering about 30% of the pregnancies in the state. So we've shown through our partnership with SA Pathology that it's actually feasible to do. What we need to do if we're going to emulate the results of the randomised trials is to try and have about 80% adoption. So the next challenge is to increase from 30% adoption to 80% adoption. And ultimately, we want to have an effectiveness evaluation. So are you preventing preterm birth? Are we preventing preterm birth in the community? And are we then saving families and the health system of those extra preterm births? What are the features of women who have low omega-3s? I mean, is there something else going on here? The features of women who have low omega-3 tend to be those who are less likely to take a perinatal supplement that's got some omega-3 in it. They tend to sometimes be from a more disadvantaged background and they tend to be a little younger. If somebody's listening to this and they think, well, what's the difference between eating fish and taking a supplement. Have people tried fish eating as an intervention? Actually, one of the randomised trials was a salmon intervention study. I mean, it does work. If you're low and you want to get to the level to be adequate, you probably need to be eating three decent-sized salmon meals every single week. So we are talking about a major change in one's diet. And not necessarily cheap either. Not cheap. And for women who are low, the most efficient way to actually restore their omega-3 levels is through a supplement. And what's the problem here with giving it to everybody? Because it's very complicated. You've got to add this test, you've got to reduce it. Surely if you give it to everybody, you'll still get that subgroup improving. There's probably a couple of reasons why not to do that. Firstly, if we tried to give all pregnant women that much DHA or EPA, there's probably not enough fish in the sea. So there is a sustainability issue. The second one is that for women who are replete or sufficient, 
they're already at low risk of prematurity. And if we superdose those women, there's some evidence that we may inadvertently also increase their risk. So we don't want to inadvertently do any harm either. Because of the bleeding risk, presumably? Partly, but also we may increase their risk of having a premature baby as well. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Maria Macridis is Professor of Human Nutrition at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute in Adelaide. And you're listening to The Health Report with me, Norman Swan. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.